that was an unexpected delivery, wouldn't you say? Um, that was, that's from the good folks in South Lake, Texas. They are creative in Texas, aren't they? I mean, maybe there's nothing to do in South Lake. I don't know. They cook with stuff all the time. So if you go online and watch uh, South Lake, Texas, they have so many great messages uh, like this. Very creative. So I appreciate them uh, telling us the Christmas story in a completely unexpected way. But how would you tell the Christmas story in three minutes or so? If somebody said, look, you got three minutes, tell me the Christmas story. How would you do? What would you say? It's a big question, isn't it? Because it's an unexpected delivery for everyone in the story. It's an unexpected delivery for everyone in the story. And to have the kids tell it through the adults acting it out really puts that in bold relief. You realize this is a wild story. And so either it's so far-fetched that you can easily dismiss it, or it's so real and speaks to the core of who we are that you dare not miss it. So... I don't understand, though, why it would be unexpected. Uh, wasn't it Israel's main identity? Wasn't it all about their own history to be expecting God to do what he did? You remember? God promised to bring a nation out of a couple that couldn't bear children. And he did. God said, I will lead you to a promised land. In spite of the fact that it's inhabited by giants. And he did. He said, if, if you trust me, all will go well with you. If you don't, I will send you uh, into exile. And he did. But because of his abiding and enduring love for them, he said, and I will bring you back to the land of promise if you will turn to me and trust in me. And he did. And throughout the scripture, he kept promising a Messiah king who would come to redeem his people, that he himself would make this come to pass. And he did. So in many ways, it's not unexpected at all. But we're going to talk about why, why for us, this is so unexpected. Because for all that, uh, Jesus wasn't what they had expected. And this is true for us. We have our own idea. We project our own ideas about how God ought to run the universe. About what it means to be a human being. And so every generation wants to reconfigure what it means to be a human being. And that means that every generation needs to come back and finally say, okay, God, what do you think? What was your plan? What was your intent for us to experience being human beings? What did you intend for us to experience in a relationship with you? So Jesus wasn't what they expected. And, and like <laughs> Joseph, we, we probably all agree, okay, he's the best baby i ever seen. There, I said, you know, um, fine, I'll give you that. Uh, everybody's proud of their baby. But this wasn't just a baby. It wasn't just a newborn baby. It was a newborn king. And that changes uh, the arc of the story, doesn't it? Uh, every baby story is a great story. And I could tell you all kinds of baby stories from our babies. You could tell all kinds of great baby stories. But the fact is that all of us, as we lean in close to that precious baby, and we'll say things like, that's the best baby I've ever seen, there I said it. Uh, or he's adorable, or he's my new best friend, or, or she's going to be something great. We can't wait to see what that baby becomes. And so Jesus' story is unexpected at birth, and yet the entire arc of his story ends up being unexpected. It doesn't fit into human categories, because this was the baby that was going to change the world. So who expected that? God did, because it was his intent and his plan. 
God keeps his promises. Sometimes in very conventional ways, and most often in some very unconventional, unexpected ways. First of all, he comes uh, into the world. How could God possibly do that? Why would God want to do that? The world is, is a mess. Yes, it's beautiful because he created it. So all of us, all of us aspire to that, that image of God that we still bear in spite of the, the, the ravages of sin in this world. And yet all of us at the same time would conclude that world that I could imagine living, that life I really want and yearn for, is just always, with, with, it's just always beyond reach. It's in me. It's something that I hope for, but it's always beyond reach. Why would God want to even come into this mess? But he comes in as a servant of all things. He just doesn't send servants. He did that. But then he comes into the world and says, I've come to serve this world. And then he gives these prophetic words, like all the prophets that preceded him. But instead of saying, thus saith the Lord, he says, I'm telling you right now, this is how it is. This is what I've come to do. Listen to me. Respond to me. Follow me. Walk with me. And see that it isn't true. See if it isn't true. See that it is true. That it's the, it's the determinative point in your life that changes everything. And of course, he was a priest, like any high priest that preceded him. But in this case, instead of offering sacrifices on behalf of the people, he is the sacrifice on behalf of the people. And ultimately, the conclusion at the end of his life, his impeccable life, his heartbreaking crucifixion on the cross, his magnificent resurrection from the dead, his mind-boggling ascent into heaven, bears out the fact that he is, in fact, the king himself, come into his own kingdom. And to those who responded to him, he gave the right to become children of God. He pours out his lavish love on those who would say, okay, I didn't expect it, um, but I'll receive it. And so he was so exceptionally unacceptable, he still confounds us. Uh, one of the things that all of us have an, an amazing capacity for is rationalization. It works for me, um, or not, because we can take anything and twist it in a way that we justify ourselves. We build these flimsy cases for why we don't need God, why he's a drag on our otherwise awesome life, why he's a barrier to this phenomenal life that we're pursuing. Why doesn't we deserve our allegiance? After all, he's just meek and mild. Who wants to respond to that? It doesn't sound very exciting. He is so exceptionally unexpected that he still confounds us. And so he becomes this enigma wrapped in a mystery. And he only starts to make sense as we start to look at the arc of our own life. For example, um, have you ever had an unexpected event in your life? That's a silly question because, of course, everybody's had unexpected events in their lives. If we had the time, if we could simply take the time and say, just in the last year, would you share with the people around you, get in groups of two or three, and tell us the, the hardest unexpected thing that you've experienced in your life. Uh, it would start out quietly, then we'd hear murmuring, and then pretty soon we'd hear, we'd hear tears. Uh, we'd see people reaching over, putting their hand on somebody and hugging them. Because if we started to pour out our hearts and say, here are the unexpected things, the betrayals, the failures, uh, the, the illnesses, uh, the, the bereavement I've gone through, the disappointment, the rejection, the whatever, the, 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 the outrageous embarrassment that I caused to myself. You know, we would all be identifying that. We'd all be leaning in and saying, oh my gosh, you too. Yeah, okay, I get that. I, I can see why that would be devastating for you. 
And as we shared our hearts, also we'd be, bond, we'd be bonded together around that sense of our shared pain. This is part of the human experience. And it's unexpected. And yet, if we step back, we say, this happens every day someplace in the world. At any moment, there's people going through this stuff. It's not unexpected. But when it happens to us, it is. Likewise, if you said, okay, time's up. Now tell us the most unexpected, wonderful thing you've experienced recently. And then pretty soon, after, after a little bit of hesitation and, and, and the room was quiet and the murmuring started, we'd hear people laughing. And we'd be looking over and saying, that's a better group. I want to go to that group. I mean, you'd be hearing these people talking about these amazing things. You'd be saying, that's fantastic. So that's something that we, we, can, we can relate to. Life is full of things, good and bad. We just don't expect. So here's the interesting thing about Jesus. Everything about him is unexpected. Everything about him is unexpected because we have these small categories for him. Instead of seeing him as the Lord of all, we see him as a little tiny Lord over here. Think about that. We expect him to fit into our small understanding of who we think he is or who we think he isn't. And because our expectations are so small, we dismiss him. We, we ignore him. We overlook him. To the point that if you say to somebody, you should pray about that, they go, give me a break. I, I actually need to do something about this situation. Because why would prayer, why would we be talking to the Lord of the universe doing something about a situation? I need to, hey, have you thought about reading God's word? Are you kidding me? I need some serious answers for this situation. What would I possibly get out of God's word? Oh, okay. We have these small categories. At the same time, why do we get uh, angry at God? We have these immense expectations for him. Mainly, you're supposed to do everything I want you to do when I want you to do it. Is that too much to ask? It works in my marriage or not. It doesn't work anywhere in life, and yet we do that to God. We have these unexpected expectations, and unless he guesses them right and lives up to them, we're disappointed. So we have this, we have this confounding conflict when it comes to God. We're all caught off guard then. We're all caught off guard. And I wish we had time to hear these stories. We're all caught off guard when we discover what he's really like. How awesome and wonderful he is. Not only is Jesus, uh, oh, what a wonderful child. He's, oh, what a wonderful Lord and Savior, guide and friend, king of his kingdom. And so when you say, oh, my God, it's no longer just a way to punctuate a text message. It's not just an OMG about something in life. It's all of a sudden this breathtaking, breathless sense of he's really who he says he is. And so that candle that, 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 that looks so small in the darkness all of a sudden gets big and big. And pretty soon the universe is exploding with stars proclaiming the glory of God. And what did the shepherds say? I don't want to miss it. Why? Because when we see him and discover him as he really is, through his word, through his spirit, touching us, nudging us in our heart and mind, prompting us through conversations with people we know, or maybe just meet as a divine appointment along the way, what happens? Well, he speaks with authority, and that shocks us. He speaks with authority. And if you press it, it actually is grounded in reality. In fact, it's better than reality because he reshapes the reality we think we understand. He speaks with authority. That's why those people who heard him up close and personal said, no one has ever spoken with such authority. Not bombastic opinions about everything, solutions about nothing, but with authority. He speaks at the heart of who we are and at the heart of human life. Then he acts with compassion. Who, is, who has ever acted with more compassion than Jesus? 
Not because he was trying to get anybody's approval or validation to score points with people, because his compassion was driven by a larger reality. The reality that comes from being God in the midst of people who desperately need God. And then he confronts evil. He doesn't tiptoe around it. He doesn't rationalize evil. He, he speaks to evil at its core. He confronts evil. So much so that he's willing to lay down his life to break the power of sin and death over us. And finally, we see that he welcomes all. This is the most shocking thing. He disrupts all the social orders we think that define life. He welcomes all to come to him. And so we see that Jesus delivers unexpected love and grace to those who would believe him and receive him. And what's also funny to me is how many of us in this room were those unexpected people. That people would look at us and say, oh, she, she would never believe this stuff. Oh, he, he would never, he would never believe this. And boom, when that person does, it's completely disrupted in their social network. Because they say, what was it? How did you, what? And they start to tell their story. And, and we're drawn in because all of a sudden we're thinking, this must be real because this is the last person I think would fall for a fairy tale. This is the last person I think would be so weak that they'd need God. But all of a sudden you see the clarity of their thinking, the passion of their heart and their mind aligned to something that's giving them life that leaks out all over the place. And you say, I had no idea. And so we see that this is the God, God in the flesh, Jesus, who delivers us from afflictions and addictions and gives us the peace we crave for. Not just, not a circumstantial peace very often. Often the circumstances do not change, but in the midst of horrifically challenging and even overwhelming circumstances, we have a peace that God that passes human understanding. Not an opiate that dulls our senses, but something that so energizes us at our core that we say, I'm starting to see things clearly in spite of and beyond my current circumstances. And so he welcomes us into this life of promise. He's making our life a veritable promised land. He gives us a profound sense of purpose. And then he gives us this capacity for perseverance. If you have one skill in life that is indispensable, besides love and grace, uh, an attitude uh, that, 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 as somebody said, gives us serious latitude and altitude, it's this perseverance. The, the sheer dogged endurance to stay the course to what you know is true. This is what God provides for people who take him seriously. And see, we want to ask for comfort and convenience, but God says, I got something better for you. It's called courage. Did you pray over your kids and say, I pray comfort for them and protection for them? That's a good thing to pray for the first 30 seconds of the prayer. The longer prayer should be, and Lord, give this child courage to walk with you in the face of any challenge, in the face of any adversity, whether they brought it on themselves or somebody brought it on them. Give them the courage to persevere with you, to see that you are the God who keeps his promises. And what's up with that? How do you explain that? Until I met Jesus, there was no explanation for that. And part of that was because I never met anybody who authentically seemed to know Jesus. They were religious, they were cultural Christians, but they had no sense that the, that the word of God is actually the word of God. The spirit of God actually is the spirit of God. And the people of God are meant to be alive through his word and spirit in them and through them. And when I started to meet people like that, and especially when they, they were out of the category that I associated with people who needed Jesus, when I met articulate, creative, go for it, inspiring uh, people, I started to say, why do you need Jesus? And they looked at me and say, oh my gosh, 
The only reason my life makes sense is because I know Jesus. Yeah, but you're not religious. Yeah, but I know Jesus. You don't seem to be mugging people in Jesus' name. No, I'm just so grateful to be able to tell other people, like one beggar telling other beggars where to get what they need. It's a gift I want to share with other people, not, a, not an argument I want to get into with people. And so apparently Jesus knows what we need to grow and mature. Having been a baby who became the Lord of the universe, he knows how to take us from babyhood, whether it's literal physical babyhood chronologically or being a baby in faith and say, I'm going to show you how to live the life, the fullness of life that I came to give you, that I created you for. And so he doesn't protect us from life, but he's always in the thick of it with us. Does this resonate with you? Have you seen this true in your own life? Is this the kind of story that when you finally have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus, you can't help but telling a story about yourself? And so he uses life circumstances to prepare us for what we can't see or understand yet. Uh, I mean, having become a, a believer and, and started to walk with God, and then think about, I have no idea how to be a man. And God brought men into my life to, to walk with me and say, this is what it means to be a, a wise man. The idea of being a husband uh, was so far beyond me, a father. I had, Lord, how? I don't know how to do that. I'll teach you. I'll show you. And if we're any of us are honest, we'll say, I have no idea how to be me. And so I'll fake it till I make it. I'll present this idealized image and hope everybody buys it. But Christ gives us the capacity to say, you know, I don't need that anymore. This is what's so amazing about him. I and mean, what do you do with a God like that? Not only was his birth an unexpected delivery, but everything about him is like that. He keeps breaking out of the boxes we try to stuff him into. And best of all, he breaks us out of the boxes that we're stuffing ourselves into. He says, you're the man I'm making you to be. Accept it. It's my gift to you. You're the woman I'm making you to be. You're a woman of God. A woman who would say, I'd never call myself that. That doesn't matter. I'm calling you that. You belong to me. All of a sudden, men who would never think of being faithful husbands are faithful husbands. Men who never thought of being loving and faithful fathers become loving and faithful fathers. All of a sudden, guys that are so self-absorbed, women who are so caught up in their own stuff, are living sacrificially. And they're willing to suffer for the love and the grace that God gives them for other people. This is the unexpected response to that unexpected God. Everything you think that makes you less, he uses to make you more. When you are tempted to dismiss yourself and say, that's ah, just me, that's what I do. I'll always be that. He says, are you kidding me? I'm telling you who you are. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. You're the best baby I've ever seen. <laughs> have you ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? Or ever had them read to you? Better to have them read to you, by the way. Uh, if you can get somebody to read it to you, better to hear those words float over you and, 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 and to read that story about these kids who end up in this place called Narnia, and there's this Christ figure, or this Jesus uh, figure called Aswan the Lion. And at one point, uh, when they first go to Narnia, one of the, the kids, Lucy, the, the oldest daughter, the oldest girl of the four kids, meets Mr. and Mrs. Bieber, and they're explaining the situation in Narnia. It's, it's oppressed by this evil uh, queen, and Aslan is on the move to redeem his kingdom. And they're thinking, what? And they're hearing about this lion. And of course, they're coming from this world's perspective on lions. And so Lucy says, is he safe? Is he safe? Lions are scary and dangerous in my world. And, and I love the response. Safe, said Mr. Bieber. Don't you hear what Mrs. Bieber tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. 
He's the king, I tell you. He's wild, you know. Not like a tame lion. And then as the kids come back and forth from this world to Narnia, eventually Lucy at another time is with Aslan, and he is so big. He is so big. She says to him, Aslan, you're bigger. And he says, I'm not. I'm not. But every year you grow, you'll find me bigger. I hope that's your experience. I hope that as you're walking with the God who loves you and lives in you through his Holy Spirit, guiding you through his word in the company of his people, who's given you a purpose that will allow you to persevere until you see him face to face, that every moment in this life counts. None of it is wasted. Whether your, your triumphs, your successes, your tragedies, and your suffering. Every day counts because he's teaching you how big he is. He's making you bigger and better in his image. See, that's the beautiful and amazing truth about what we celebrate tonight. That's what makes Christmas, Christmas. God has unexpectedly come into the world to deliver us and save us, save us by his love. And it's safe to say he's wild about you. He's wild about you. So stop trying to tame him. Stop turning away from him and turn toward him. Turn toward him and see if, in fact, as you walk with him day in and day out, week in, month in, year in, decade in, in and out, that you are not experiencing a bigger version and a better version of this amazing God. So believe in him. Grow up in him by faith. If you've never asked him in your life, maybe tonight's the night you say, okay, Jesus, if this is even halfway true, I'm open, I'm in. Here's what's going to happen. See, faith is about opening your eyes, opening your heart, opening your mind to a bigger view of God. Let him break out of the box and let him pull uh, you out of the box that is holding you back from seeing your life from his perspective. Welcome Jesus into your life and experience the unexpected joy of knowing him. After all, uh, Jesus is the best, the best unexpected delivery of all time. But what would you expect from God? After all, he's good. He's a king, I tell you. So Lord Jesus, you are our king. You're the one whose birth we celebrate tonight. Lord and King of the universe, Savior of the world. Lover of humankind. Sacrificial lamb on our behalf. So Lord, we pray that as your spirit nudges us in heart and mind, breaks in through conversations, life circumstances, we would in fact come into our right mind and our right heart as we embrace you and respond to your embrace of us. That we would be set free to live fully as you've intended, having created us and now having redeemed us by your blood shed on the cross, your resurrection from the grave, your life everlasting, the gift of your life in us through your spirit and the company of your people to cheer us on, to share tears and laughter with us as we experience what it means to grow up in you. I pray, Lord, that that would be the experience of each person here, both now and forevermore. So I pray that in your name. Amen.